Welcome to Rangers Blue Line, covering the blue shirts from the SNY studios. Here's your host, Brian Compton. The Rangers are set to invade the Canadian capital. They'll face the Ottawa Senators in the Eastern Conference second round. Welcome to Rangers Blue Line, Brian Compton, Adam Rotter, and joining us for a few minutes today, we are honored to have Nick Lacalzi back in studio. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Brian. Thanks for having me. I think the first question everybody wants to know is, where the hell have you been? <laughs> well, fortunately, I got a new work schedule, but unfortunately, it's led to some conflicts that yeah. have uh, cost me some time with you. Well, we miss you. Well, I appreciate it. I never thought I would say that. It wasn't a suspension then. It Should I say we, Adam? Did you, do you, did you miss Nick as well, or is it just me? I thought we weren't allowed to talk to him because I thought he was suspended. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get right to it. A huge six-game series win in the first round against the Montreal Canadiens. Henrik Lundqvist was phenomenal. Uh, that save he made on Tomas Placanek with about a minute 45 to go. Uh, how he got his toe on that, Adam, was, uh, was, it was ridiculous. It really he, was. You know, we spent we talked about Henrik all year long, ups and downs, and I even think you asked me last week. You know, was I confident he was going to yeah. play that well after Game One? And I said, there's no player I've got more confidence in than Henrik Lundqvist, and that remains true. He's just he's in the zone. He's playing as good as he's probably ever played right now, and you know that's what the Rangers need, and at all points of. Uh, the playoffs. It's almost like the regular season was just an exhibition for Lundqvist until they got into the playoffs and he turned right back into the king that Rangers fans have been used to for what a decade now. Yeah. So I go up to Dan Girardi after game six, you know, the room's packed because it's Montreal and there's a zillion people there, reporters and everything else. So I go up to him and I'm like, I start prefacing with it. You know, Hank is 35. He had his ups and downs during the regular season. Were you surprised at all just how good he was and the debt stare that I got? He looked, go, he shoots right back at me. Nick, were you surprised? I'm like, no, no, not at all. He was great. Uh, it, it shows the. But they, they, at the very least, I think Hank made a statement with with the way he performed against Montreal. He dominated the series. Yeah. I mean, Henrik Lundqvist was fantastic for 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 six games and, and especially. In crunch time for the Rangers, you said that save on Placanich was just – we didn't even talk about the save on Weber. Yeah. I don't even think anybody in the building saw that pocket at the last Tremendous. second Hank was able yep. to, to get a glove on it. I, I just don't think anyone in that room has ever lacked confidence right. in Longfist, starting from uh, Glenn Sather down, probably from James Dolan down. I think that they all know that he has the ability to always steal games and that, you know – they took a lot of responsibility during the season, as they should have, because they were bad in front of him. And when Henrik, when the defense is bad in front of you, Henrik's got to commit in different directions. And the Rangers were sloppy all year. They played a more structured game. Henrik was better, and it all seemed to work out. And I think the biggest question going into the series, guys, was can he outplay Carey Price for a long enough stretch where they can win the series? It was a legitimate question. Carey Price is still one of the best goalies in the world. Uh, the first goal Zuccarello scored there on the power play in game six, that's a shot Price stops all the time. So at the end of the day, Lundqvist was just a little bit better. He was, and that's what he needed to be. The Rangers matched Montreal all across the board. The most shocking thing to me was how physical and yeah. how successful the Rangers were physically while getting hit. Sometimes you saw the defense playing a little nervous in their own end with the back to the boards. But other than that, from top to bottom, it started with Lundqvist playing better than Price, Brian. The Rangers were the better team. I, I'm still surprised that there wasn't that one game that Price stole from Montreal yeah. because I and I thought that was going to be Game Six. Yep. I thought that when Montreal went up one nothing, it was like, oh boy, Price is going to get locked in now. But overall, you know, I don't. 
he didn't have that moment, and the Rangers kept pressuring. So it just seemed like they were always going to get that goal because Montreal, especially after the first period in Game Six, you know they did, they just they weren't good enough overall from top to bottom. They just weren't as good as the Rangers. And before we get to round two, I think it was a great sign that the Canadians neutralized the Rangers' speed somewhat over the course of the series, and it became physical, like you said, Nick, and the Rangers still found a way to win. That's huge. And it was Tanner Glass in the beginning yeah. who played very well, maybe one of the Rangers' best forwards through the first three games. They put Buchnevich in the lineup, and he didn't miss a beat. We talked about it earlier in the year. Buchnevich and VC, one of them, if not both of them, were going to be players if the Rangers have a chance to make a run, and I thought they both were... Spe not spectacular, but incredibly solid in, in their work. Buchnevich was really impressive. He looked like he did earlier in the year. Turning point in the series, right, when A.V. made that switch? I, I Probably. I yeah. mean, I wasn't 100% sure he should have taken out Conn Smythe, front <laughs> Glass at that point. But Buchnevich, he just looked comfortable in that, like, Back with Zabinijad and Kreider, he just looked like he did at the beginning of the year when, you know, they'd just give him the puck and he'd just make moves with it and he'd snap it towards the net or make crisp passes. He was good. VC was good. Shea was really good. Overall, yeah. the Rangers' young players really stepped up at a big time. To me, the biggest impact that Buchnevich had was on Zabinijad because yeah. he was a ghost through three games. Yep. And then it woke Zabinijad up. It, he needs to be a factor for the Rangers. On a few of their runs the last few years, it was Broussard who really played a big role in the playoffs. Zabinijad stepped right into his shoes, and he needs to, to match some of what Broussard brought to the table. And those two guys, Zabinijad and Buchnevich, had to be good because we've been talking about this every week, Adam Kreider. Hayes, Miller, those guys just weren't good enough. And that has to change against Ottawa. It just has to. And Hayes was better as the series yeah, went on. And Kreider sure. was better. They were all better. But Miller, to me, was disappointing. Uh, I don't know if he's hurt. He's certainly, he didn't miss a game all season. But they'd cut to the bench every other time, and he'd be grimacing in pain or something. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a little banged up. But he's a guy who... You know, we talked about it all year. He was the Rangers' best forward for doubt. long stretches this season, and he just wasn't anything like that in that first round. I thought he looked better once they put Zuccarello on that line. To me, the line wasn't as dominant possession-wise as they could have been, but they showed in flashes what they could be, and then in game six, they won the game. Yeah. And, we, and getting back to Kreider here for a second, it's no coincidence that the power play was one for 15, and he was just not a factor. Not going to the dirty areas, not doing the things you have to do to make the power play successful. He was a ghost, and he is too big and too fast to be a ghost. And that was surprising because I thought, because he's, you, normally it's inconsistent regular seasons for Chris Kreider, and then you notice him in the playoffs. And we've, he made his mark on the playoffs in both deep runs. He was really good. The year he came back from the injury, he was really good. And in the first round, you know, he was better in five and six. Yeah. Uh, certainly in five when it just seemed like all of a sudden he was like, oh, wait, I'm really, really fast. <laughs> and I'm way stronger than everyone else. And he played better and he set up the winner. And then he was better in six, too. But he needs to be. I thought he was going to be the X factor yeah. for the Rangers. I thought he was going to have to be their best forward for them to beat Montreal because I thought he was going to have to be the one who kept getting in Price's face and get him off his game. And that didn't happen. I would like to see the numbers on how often Shea Weber was out against Kreider because he was a, the great neutralizer, really, for Montreal. Yeah. I mean, Weber played unbelievable, and he's one guy who could not only keep up with Kreider's strength, maybe be stronger and, and give him enough of a challenge, you know, in a, in a short speed because of Weber's size and length where, where Kreider wasn't able to use it. But, you know, you look at Ottawa's roster, and – 
you know, maybe Fanuf can be as strong as him. Carlson can keep up with him if healthy, but this is a series where I expect Crowder to have a bigger impact. How about Carlson playing with fractured bones in his heel? It's crazy. It's not out of the question to say he's the best player in the world yeah, right now. Really I mean, I, I think it's still Sidney Crosby, and I think that someone's going to have to wrestle the title away from him. But Carlson's the best defenseman in the world right now, and he's someone that uh, is going to be very tough for the Rangers to handle because, like you said, he was great in round one, and, like, he had his leg chopped off or something. Like, <laughs> he was unbelievable. He really is. He's ridiculous, and he plays 30 minutes every night, so the Rangers better get used to seeing Eric Carlson on the ice, obviously, as this series goes on, the, one of the main focuses is going to be Zabinijad and Broussard. Broussard was terrific. Eight points in the first round against the Boston Bruins. Uh, Zabinijad was pretty good. Obviously had the game winner in game five up in Montreal. A huge goal. Um, like to see a little bit more from Zabinijad on the power play, of course. I think even uh, at, in uh, excuse me five on five play too. To me, like when you notice Zabinijad, he's incredible. You know, and when he's going, he's going. But too often do you not notice him. Yeah. If, if he fixed that problem half the time, and not even where he's creating goals or, or that type of level of fixing, but if he just was more noticeable on 50% of the shifts where he's invisible, he becomes one of the premier players in the NHL. He has the talent. He's one of those guys that kind of makes you scratch your head. Yeah. Granted, he's still a young kid, but if Zibanejad is able to, to flip that switch a little more often and turn that corner and just become more consistent, He's going to be a major factor for the Rangers. I think, you know, no one knows Derek Broussard better than the Rangers. Sure. No one knows him better than the 15 guys that he played with the past few years. And you saw why Ottawa got him in the first round. He was great. He didn't have a good season. Pierre Maguire was on the radio in Ottawa being like, he had a terrible season, but this is why they brought him in for yeah. the playoffs. And, you know, I don't, I don't believe in the, this is going to determine who wins the trade or not this series. Right. but. Zabinijad is going to have to match up in some way to Broussard because you know what Broussard's going to bring. 40, he didn't even have 40 points. No, he had something like that. I mean, he, he was a ghost there too. Yeah. The whole Ottawa offense was, and really, it's no coincidence that Broussard and Bobby Ryan are, were paired together and they're the two that tore it up. They're both good players. I mean, how many years has Bobby Ryan scored 25, 30 goals in the NHL? And it wasn't this year. Ryan was really quiet during the regular season, yep. but he played well against the Bruins too. And you have to think, I don't want to take anything away from Ryan or Broussard here, you have to think that the, the completely depleted defense that the Bruins had in the first round had, had to probably have a little bit to do with their success, right? Probably in some way, but those guys, you know, Bobby Ryan's won a Stanley Cup, yep. I think. Those guys, you know, they're big-time players, and these are big-time moments, and that's why I think a lot of people are, I think, I might be overestimating Ottawa, especially with their 1-3-1 defense that I think is horrifying. <laughs> but a lot of people seem to be underestimating them and just think that it's going to be easy for the Rangers to win this in five and maybe six games. I think it's going to be a really tough series. Uh, it's going to be tough because Ottawa can play in a variety of different ways. And their forwards, I would say, while they don't have a patch already, they're deeper than what Montreal brought to the table. Uh, maybe with, with, with Clark MacArthur back in the mix, Turris, yeah. MacArthur, Hoffman, they so have many of those guys Canadian there. guys just didn't show up. I mean, Pacioretty didn't score a goal. You know, like they were kind of short bottom yeah. six wise. But this is, yeah. I think the biggest thing going into the series, the Rangers have to score first. If the Senators get a lead, like Adam said, they're just going to lull everybody to sleep. I mean, and the Rangers had one comeback against Ottawa earlier in the year when they were down, but it's it's. It's going to be so hard to do that in the playoffs. I think the Rangers will have a chance to wear down the Ottawa defense. It's going to be very tough for Eric Carlson on one foot to be playing 30 minutes a game against this speed. 
Uh, yeah. Boston couldn't match the four-line attack that the Rangers have. I, the, the Rangers throw out line after line after line that's going to generate chances. There are going to be times when Ottawa's hemmed in their own zone. And with Carlson playing that many minutes on one foot, a lot of the onus is going to fall on Dion Phaneuf, who I, I still think is a fantastic player. He's not a $7 million a, a year round, player. Yeah. But with more minutes, he's getting more minutes than he did in the regular season. He's, he's not young. And his foot speed isn't great. Sure, he can play tough in front of the net. He can do a lot of things offensively. But the Rangers have a chance with their foot speed to really have him spinning in, spinning in circles. And this is where a guy like Nash comes into play too again, right, against a guy like Phaneuf? I think so. But I, to, to what Nick said, I think Carlson has the opportunity to do the exact opposite to the Rangers' defense. Yes. I think that that's going to be a really interesting thing because I do think that they're a more skilled team than, than, Brasso- than Montreal was. Joining me now on the phone from TSN 1200 up in Ottawa, it's my good friend Ian Mendez. Ian, Brian Compton here in New York City. How are you? Hey, Brian. Great to talk to you. Great to have you back on the show. I really appreciate it. All right, I have to start with Clark McArthur, Ian, because what a story this is. He misses nearly two full seasons with a concussion, comes back and scores the series-clinching goal in game six against the Bruins on Sunday. I mean, this is something straight out of Hollywood, right? Oh, I, and I think even, Brian, if you tried to sell that script to Hollywood, I don't, I don't <laughs> think they're buying it because... Uh, this guy was uh, essentially in January. We thought he was done for the year. We, yeah. His his baseline test came back in January, and they said, you're not good to go. We all assumed that when they told him he wasn't good to go in January, that that was it for the season. But Clark said, no, they just actually shut me down for three more months, and I, I never gave up hope. So uh, credit to him for being so determined. And uh, it, it's, it's strange in the year in which uh, Craig Anderson went through so many things yeah. on a personal level with his wife. Um, you know, Clark MacArthur probably – was a great nominee for the Masterton Trophy here. If, if you want to talk about somebody who um, exemplified the perseverance and dedication to the, uh, the game of hockey, nobody did that better than Clark this year. And for him to come back, Brian, and score not only the goal in uh, in Game 6 to clinch it, but the one in, in Ottawa in Game yeah. 2, which Clark told me today, that was the one that gave him more of an adrenaline rush because it came at home. Um, it, it's an unbelievable story, and he's added a piece to this offense that uh, obviously wasn't there all season long. Yeah, it's great stuff. It's great to see him back in the, back in the mix for sure, Ian. Um, all eyes are obviously going to be on Derek Broussard and Mika Zibanejad in this series. Two guys traded for one another last summer. 39 points for Broussard during the regular season. But surprise, surprise, here he is uh, performing in the playoffs just like he did when he was here uh, w- with the Rangers. How fired up is he to go up against his old, old team here in round two? Well, I'm sure he's going to be. He, uh, he didn't speak today. Uh, they they had their first media availability today, but uh, Derek wasn't one of the guys that spoke, so I'm sure we'll speak to him tomorrow. But, you know, he came in here, and uh, you guys in, in, in that market know all about the, the big game brass label, yeah. but we hadn't seen it. In, in fact, in the regular season, he played all but one game and had uh, 39 points. And I think a lot of us were kind of looking at each other saying, okay, like, hey, man, like any time you want to show up here, big game, Brad. <laughs> like, Ottawa, it, and it, towards the end of the season, too, like they didn't really lock down their playoff spot or their seeding right until the final week of the season. So there were some games of huge importance and significance down the stretch. And Broussard still, at that point, guys, it just it never felt like he had elevated his game to, to where he needed it to be. And then, sure enough, here we go in the playoffs, and in six games he gets eight points. At no point during the regular season did Broussard have eight points over any six-game stretch. So wow. he absolutely elevated it, and I think it's going to be fun. I think Pierre Dorian told us yesterday this is not a referendum on the Broussard for Zibanejad trade, right. but we all know that it kind of is because <laughs> right. you, you put the two guys up head-to-head in a playoff series 
less than a year after you traded for them. How on earth do we not uh, exactly. look at this as a uh, sort of tangible proof as to who, uh, who may have won this deal? Bobby Ryan, too, obviously 25 points in 62 games, but he steps up in the first round with four goals and seven points. Is he looking more and more like the Bobby Ryan we've seen in years past? Yeah, and, you know, you, you could really make an argument that this was the best stretch of hockey that Bobby Ryan has ever played in an Ottawa uniform. And this is now his fourth season in Ottawa. And when wow. he was in Anaheim, he was a very, very consistent 30-goal scorer. Well, he's yet to hit that plateau in Ottawa. And this was his worst regular season by far. In the NHL, since he came in, this was Bobby Ryan's worst regular season. And I don't think anybody had expectations of him coming in, scoring uh, as many big goals as he did. He ended up with, uh, with two game-winning goals in that series. He ended up with seven points in, in six games. He elevated his game to a place where I'm not sure people thought it could go. And now the question is, that they take on the Rangers, can Bobby Ryan, can Derek Broussard, can Dion Phaneuf, three veteran players who all, I think, it felt like they elevated their game in the last round, how can they sustain this now for a second round and, you know, touch wood for Ottawa? They'd obviously like to go further, but how much gas do the uh, the veteran guys all have uh, in the tank? I think it's one of the fascinating stories, Clark MacArthur included, into that uh, into that mix. I'm glad you brought up Fanoffi, and is he a guy, can, can he keep up with the Rangers' speed? We know how fast the Rangers are. Well, this, this is going to be fascinating to me, one of the great storylines, because you see, I think of Grabner, I think of uh, Kreider, like I, and I know Kreider didn't have the, the best of series yeah. against Habs, but uh, he's a guy that's proven to me in the Stanley Cup playoffs, Chris Kreider usually comes to play. And so that's going to be an, an interesting element. I think the, the Bruins may have had more top-end talent in terms of Pasternak, uh, Marchand, Bergeron. I, like, I think I would take Boston's top three over, let's say, the Rangers' top three. But in terms of the top 12, I think I'd take the Rangers' top yeah. 12 over the Bruins' top 12. And furthermore, I think the, the, the Rangers are a faster team. So this is going to be really, really fascinating to me. Phaneuf and Cody Ceci are going to be the guys to watch because they, they take a lot of minutes, but they, they take a lot of abuse from, from certain segments of the Ottawa fan base that feel like their foot speed isn't where it needs to be. And the Rangers might be one of the quicker teams in the East. So... That's going to be an amazing matchup to watch. Phaneuf was uh, about as nasty as you would expect Dion Phaneuf to be in a uh, in a playoff series, but that type of play sort of takes a toll after a while, and we'll see what uh, what uh, Dion has uh, in in round number two against the Rangers. My good friend Joey McDonald from ESPN reported after Game Six that Eric Carlson has been playing with a couple of fractures in his heel. Uh, how noticeable was that during during the series against the Bruins? And more importantly, is it going to be a factor here against the Rangers? It was absolutely noticeable in game one. And then what was really weird is that it never was a factor again. And wow. uh, it, uh, it was like it magically healed. I, <laughs> he looked every bit like the Eric Carlson that uh, I came to expect over the course of the 82 se game season after, after the first game. So it, it's funny that he, he told that to Joe McDonald because we were all laughing. We're like, hey, we're, we're around this guy every day. He never tells us. <laughs> and Joe McDonald from ESPN.com rolls in, hey, Eric, what's wrong? And, and Eric tells him. And, and what's funny is that Eric told us today uh, the reason why he, he publicly disclosed it was kind of twofold. Number one, he said, I'm sick and tired of this. Right. I'm sick and tired of answering everyone's questions about the injury. But the second part is he says he's healthy now. So I guess I suppose we take it as him saying publicly that I played with two hairline fractures in my foot. If he's willing to come out and say that now in the middle of the Stanley Cup playoffs, leads me to believe he that must he be is, good in to fact, 100% right? healthy. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with that. Um, Guy Boucher, Ian, is a coach I've really liked going back to his days with the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's done a tremendous job up there in his first year with Ottawa. What's made him so successful with the Senators? 
You know, I think what's happened uh, with, with Guy Boucher is he came in, Ottawa last year was a very, very talented team. Remember, Carlson led the entire league in assists last year, but they played a really kind of structureless game. Like, it was very, it was really entertaining. Don't get me wrong, it was really entertaining, but it didn't seem like it was a recipe for success. So, Pierre Dorian hires Guy Boucher, and even Guy, if you think about Guy's time in Tampa, everyone thinks about the structure and the one-three-one and all that stuff. And so Guy comes in, and that's exactly what he did. And the key was he got Carlson to buy in, and uh, I think everybody just kind of fell in line. So I think the, the biggest impact you're seeing out of Boucher is the fact that they're able to win tight-checking, low-scoring uh, hockey games, including three, three overtime games in the last series uh, that they won and one that they lost. But that's the type of hockey, like and I know it, it's super boring in yeah. November and December. And you just kind of got to grit your teeth through it. But when you get to April and May, and that's the type of hockey that's being played, and your team sort of now that's in their DNA to play that way, then it becomes a lot more entertaining from the fan base because the games mean so much. But now your team is ready to play that style. And so that's what I would say Guy has done. He's come in, he's brought in a system, and he's brought in structure, and it feels like everybody's bought in. Last one before I let you go. Prediction time. Who do you got? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm on the New York radio, right? So yeah, I exactly. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, like you could convince me, and, I, and this is going to be like ultimate fence sitting. But and, and I said this with the Bruins series too. Like you could have convinced me either way, and I'm sure you you guys felt that way with the with the Rangers and Habs, where uh, you know, like even after three games and the Habs are up two one, never really felt like they were going to run away with the right. series. I don't think anyone's, I don't think anyone's running away with this series. Like I, 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 this feels to me, even in 2012 when they when they met and the Rangers were the one seed, Ottawa was eight. It felt really even, and it went to a Game 7 that was decided by, of all people, Dan Girardi with a game winner in Game 7. So <laughs> I think we're going to see the same thing, honestly. I think we're going to see the same thing. But let me play the homer card here, and I'll take Ottawa to win this game, this series. But this thing's going 7. This wow. feels like a 7-game series to me. All right, I hope it is because I love 7-game series. Ian, this was great. I really appreciate a few minutes. Thanks so much. Anytime, Brian. All right, Bye. be Bye. well. Thanks again to Ian Mendez from TSN 1200 up in Ottawa. I'm sure he'll be down here in New York for this Eastern Conference second round. You can follow Ian on Twitter at Ian underscore Mendez. Adam, he thinks it's going seven. What do you think? I think he's right. I mean, I'm buying what he was saying about all the Carlson stuff, all the structure stuff. Like I said in the first segment, I think people are underestimating Ottawa. And I didn't watch a ton of that series against Boston. But on paper, I think they're deeper. I think they're defense. They have a guy in Carlson who can make the difference. That game changer, Mon yep. Montreal's game changer was Carey Price. Price yep. They used to have a game changer, number 76. He's not there anymore. So without P.K. Subban, Montreal never really had a guy who scared me that much. Radulov, maybe a little bit. But Carlson, Carlson can take the puck up the ice and just score and do... He's going to find guys open because the Rangers are going to send two guys to him a lot. And I think that they're going to win games. I think that this is going to be a long series. And it's not Bell Center. I don't think anything is. But it's going to be a pretty raucous atmosphere up in Ottawa. It should be a lot of fun. As it should be. Yeah. I mean, this is as boring as a team that they might be. They've got skilled guys. They, are, they can be fun to watch. And you know that they're going to be behind Broussard. You know they're going to be behind Bobby Ryan now. If Eric Carlson is healthy, that's the worst-case yeah. scenario for the Rangers. You know, guys like Fanuf, if Borowiecki comes back, he had 200 more hits than any other senator in the yeah, regular season. Yeah, but that season. just means they're chasing the puck. Well, the hits category is so overrated. It really is. But he, when we talk about hits in the physical yeah, play, yeah. Right. the one thing that, that comes I... into play. That was... My point was that the one thing that the Rangers played it in the first round, and they're... 
and they're not built to play it, that's probably going to wear down. It's going to have diminishing returns at a certain point. And if you're facing Fanuf, if Borowiecki even plays, you know, those guys are hard hitters. Those guys like facing Weber a lot. I think that's where the physical play could come into play again. And it's not a great thing here that Fanuf's playing well, Ryan's playing well, Broussard's playing well. They're all playing their best hockey right now and... Eric Carlson's 100% apparently. And that's not good. <laughs> that's all not good, but ultimately, if there's one guy on the Rangers who's playing his best, it's their goalie, yeah. and that's the one who matters the most. So I'm kind of going at it from both sides here. I just think that it, I, I just don't think people should underestimate Ottawa. I think that they're going to, I don't know that they're going to surprise the Rangers. I think the Rangers are going to be prepared, but I think people will be surprised at how competitive these games are, how tight they're going to be, and how Ottawa's probably going to come out on top, you know, and maybe lead 2 1 after three games again. We were saying earlier, Kreider, we thought, was going to be the X-Factor against Montreal. Is he their X-Factor again? I think he has to be. He has to be better if the Rangers are going to win this series. He has to, again, be their X-Factor. I think that, you know, Ryan McDonough, who's excellent in the first round, all of the guys who played well for the Rangers in the first round need to continue to play well, uh, as stupid as this is to say, and all the guys who didn't play well need to play better because Ottawa is a team that if you believe that the Marty St. Louis thing had an impact on the Rangers' run in 2014. Yeah. And whether you believe in that stuff or not, Ottawa's got double the stories. They're playing with house money. They know that the, if they go out there, they've got a good feeling about their game. I just I don't think people should uh, underestimate what Ottawa can bring. You tinker with the lines at all, or you think the, roster, the lineup that we saw for the last few games is what we're going to see here moving into game one on Thursday night? I do think they should sit and gnash for Tanner Glass <laughs> to bring him back into the cons. But no, I think that the Rangers are going to stick with what they have, and then ultimately at some point in the series you'll probably see Kevin Klein come back I in. think so, too, because Nick uh, Holden can't play. He just can't. If he's not going to contribute offensively, he is a mess in his own end. Not that Klein isn't, but I think you're going to see that switch as well at some I I think point. at some point you'll see changes because I think the Rangers will drop a couple of games. I think guys might start to get hurt as the physical play increases. I think that we're going to see changes, but for game one, it should be the same lineup the Rangers have been rolling with. Do you agree with Ian this is going seven games? I think, I think it is going to go seven games. I think it's going to go six or seven games. That's what I thought about Montreal. I thought the Rangers in Montreal were really uh, similar. I think that the Rangers are slightly better than Ottawa, but I think Ottawa is playing with a lot right now that they can – that they're going to force the issue here and make it seven. I'll say Rangers in six. It's nothing against Ottawa. They're a great story, and I'm so happy for guys like Craig Anderson and Clark MacArthur, no question. Guy Boucher's done a phenomenal job with those guys, but this was the bracket that we've been talking about all year that the Rangers had to be a part of if they were going to go on a long run this spring. Uh, they're battle-tested. The Metropolitan Division was great all season long. I'll say Rangers in six. And we don't have to fold the Washington Capitals, like I said last week, because they did beat Toronto. They did, so. and I think they're going to beat the Penguins. A lot of people think that, yeah. and I don't, I'm on the fence with that one. I think that one's going to go seven, and that one's going to be a classic. But again, we are not folding the Washington Capitals franchise. Like I said last week, we'd have to <laughs> if they lost to Toronto. Before we go, let's go out west. What do you got? I think Edmonton wins again. Uh, I, I, think like, they stun, I think they stun the Ducks. I like the Ducks. I think yeah. the Ducks are now my favorite to probably win the Stanley Cup. I think they're big. I, I like them, They're too. talented. Yeah. Uh, you know, if their goaltending holds up, if Gibson's healthy or if they have to go with Bernier, they, might, they also have like 10,000 defensemen who are really good. <laughs> and if Cam Fowler's going to come back, yeah, he I, is th- coming back I think they're now, I had Chicago winning. That yeah, didn't seem to go well. Didn't go very well. Uh, but I think they're now the team to beat in the West. How about Nashville and St. Louis? I like the Preds again. I like the Predators too. I think that 
P.K. Subban. He's got to be doing cartwheels right now. If for no other he's reason, he's going to love the idea that his team is going to continue to go further than Montreal. Great show, Adam. See you next week. Thanks to Nick Lacalzi for coming in for a few minutes. It was great to see him, him again. Thanks to Ian Mendez from TSN. Enjoy the series. We'll see you next week. This has been Rangers Blue Line, part of the SNY.TV audio network.